And so tonight, I'm, I'm going to put a few slides up. We're going to give a few definitions when it comes to gender theory, gender dysphoria, uh, gender incongruence, all of these things that I've learned over the last couple of years. Uh, there's a really good book, um, and I call it really good because it's short. That's what I call good books, short books. Um, gender Ideology, uh, Gender Ideology, and I'll put a quote up by her at the end, but it's by Sharon James. And she does a phenomenal job. Uh, basically, she took Carl Truman's book, um, which I had a fun time reading through, which I told you all that one's about 400 pages, and she just basically summarizes it. It's what we would call the cliff notes. I don't know if they still make cliff notes, but I, I, I consider those a great blessing uh, when I was writing papers in high school. Uh, but she gives the cliff notes. And if you want to get that book, it would be a great help to you and follow up to what we've done over these last few weeks. And so tonight, um, we're looking at the dangers of gender theory, the dangers of gender theory, and we'll see how that breaks down. Now, a few weeks ago, we looked at um, the dangers of pornography, and then we looked at the dangers of homosexuality uh, last week, and we did it in that order because when pornography was more widely accepted, when it was not just a magazine that you would go purchase at a convenience store, but it was something that you could pull up on your computer or your iPhone, um, or it's something that even uh, you could be watching on TV, and it didn't even have to be one of the um, movie channels. It could even be on main uh, time or evening TV. Um, once that became more accepted, then you began to see it have an impact in other areas. And so then, as people felt more freedom to say that, hey, this is who I am, um, I want to go against the traditional view of marriage, and I think that it should be acceptable. If I'm a man and I want to marry my best friend who is a man, who are you to say we can't? And our government um, came along and, and had nothing really to say about it. And so they say, you know, what can we say? Because really, we don't hold to the Bible, and so if you don't hold to the Bible anymore and God is not creator and God is not the author of marriage of man and woman, then you find yourself in the situation we're in right now. And so that's where we are. So then we say, okay, now that uh, it's okay to, to have gay marriage and that's been accepted across the land, but listen, it, it happened here in the United States in 2015. When I traveled over to Germany in 2005 to do a Reformation tour, which was amazing, by the way, and we should put one together, right? When everything opens back up, go over there. Um, but in 2005, it was legal over there. So 10 years before. So if you really want to get a look at what it's going to look like here, just go over to Europe and do a tour. Um, when they open back up, and you'll be able to see a lot of what the United States is going to look like, because they're about 10 years ahead of us on many of these things. And so that's why we can speak with confidence in some of these examples. They're not outlandish. I mean, they're, they're real. These things are happening. And so we see the impact of remaining silent when these things are accepted as normal in our culture. And so now we look at gender theory because there are 72 different identified genders that are accepted today. 72. I mean, male and female, it used to be two, like two years ago. 
Now there's 72. And so if a teenager is confused because they have these weird feelings or a preteen is having these weird feelings and maybe they hadn't hit that age yet, you know what I'm saying, then they could go search on teen websites and they could find out about these 72 different types of genders. And they could read through the list of them and go, okay, I think I'm this one right here. Instead of just recognizing that God made them either a male or a female. This is the world in which we live. So let's define gender. How it's traditionally kind of been known is the word gender comes from the Latin term for kind or set. Kind or set. So male, female, uh, man, woman, boy, and girl. This is how we have forever known this term. Uh, Among those who study gender and sexuality, a clear delineation between sex and gender is typically prescribed, with sex as the uh, preferred term for the biological term, okay, of who you are. But then gender is limited to its meanings involving behavioral, cultural, and psychological traits. Okay, so now we get to the psychological, and it's who you think you are. So sex and gender become different things. Sex is more of the physical of who you are, but gender is who you think you are. That's the most simple way I think I understand it, and I can put it for us all tonight. So, you know, we would say, is there really a difference between sex and gender? And I would, I, as I look at the Bible, I say, no, there is not. There's male and female, okay? Gender theory claims we have a gender identity which is independent of our biological sex. So this is gender theory. Claims we have a gender identity which is independent of our biological sex. And again, this all comes from our thinking, which leads to gender dysphoria, which used to have a different name. It was gender disorder. So if you had a young boy who was wrestling and thinking that maybe he should be a girl, it would be labeled gender disorder. And they would seek to help this young boy. But now it's gender dysphoria, which means that when a person is unhappy with their biological sex, they say, hey, it's gender dysphoria. They believe they would be more truly themselves if they were able to live as a member of the opposite sex, or in some cases, as neither male nor female. So non-binary would be that. Um, I'm not male, I'm not female. Then what are you? I'm neither. Just think about that for a minute in light of God creating us, male and female, and how we've always known ourselves to be man and woman, and somebody now will come and say, I'm neither man or woman. I'm not in between. I'm, I'm neither of those things because I say so. And that's the authority. Like That's the stamp of approval. You say, who certifies this? I do as a person. And we're to step back and go, well, okay, if you say so. It's a feeling of being trapped in the wrong body, um, cultural and political pressure, not scientific evidence. Hear that. Cultural and political pressure, not scientific evidence, led to a change of terminology from disorder to dysphoria. Okay. So it's nothing scientific that they say, hey, we've discovered something new, because if they get scientific about it, it crushes this whole argument, okay? Which is interesting because a lot of times science used to get thrown against the church when it came to creation. And now they're saying, let's just drop science because we lost those arguments in the end. 
right? Because science would just prove that God did create all things and that he is sovereign. But yet now it's, we got to drop science and we have to go the psychological route. So you have another term, gender incongruence. And I know we throw this word around a lot, so let me just, for those who don't, let me just clarify. It's a condition in which someone feels very strongly that the sex and gender assigned to them do not match their gender identity. So they're going, I, don't, I know that I'm a girl, but I don't feel like a girl. And there used to be a time when we would say, that's okay. Like, if you want to go play football with the boys, go play football with the boys. I thought it was the coolest thing. When I played Little League Baseball at 11 and 12, I played for the Yankees. That's important that you know what team I played for. I played for the Yankees, and this little girl played for the Rangers, and she pitched. And I'm going to tell you, we knew that she was a girl, um, but I had a crush on her. I thought she was beautiful, and that she played baseball and could strike out boys was even cooler, right? But back then, you would look and you would say, she's a tomboy. She's a tomboy. But now you look at that and go, no, if she wants to be a boy, all she has to say is that she feels like a boy, and we have to come along and affirm and say that she is a boy. Now, you say, Brian, we have to? Maybe not in these settings. I don't know what it's like in, in, in several of the local schools, but it's becoming more and more common in schools. It's becoming more common within communities, and depending upon the state you live in, and truly, I'm just going to say, whoever your governor is and whoever uh, is in leadership, um, has a lot to do with it right now because this has become a major political issue. Um, I, I have my own opinions on that, but that's not what I'm here talking about. Now, um, the condition in which someone feels very strongly that the sex and gender assigned to them do not match their gender identity is now regarded as being an identity to celebrate rather than being a condition to be treated. So instead of saying, hey, we need to sit down, we need to go through counseling, let's go through biblical counseling, or, or you know, just, let's just go through some counseling. Instead of that, we say, no, 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 let's celebrate that this person is coming to discover that they want to be the opposite sex. And so it's being celebrated. Gender activists are happy for gender incongruence to remain listed in the World Health Organization International Classification of Disease so that access to necessary health interventions such as hormone therapy and surgery can be demanded. Hormone blockers that are given to teenagers who want to stop the process which is natural to how God has designed them and they no longer want to continue to develop as a, as a female, and so they'll take hormone blockers, or vice versa for a boy who no longer wants to be a boy, he wants to be a, a girl, grow to be a woman. They can ter- take hormone blockers or have surgery. And this is becoming more common even among children, conversations of allowing children to make these decisions. Now, this, this isn't so outlandish. You're saying, Brian, you, I know what website you went to, what news outlet you went to, and you're seeing this, and you're just running with this. No, I'm telling you, this is becoming more widespread. And in places like Canada and the UK, it's a lot more common. And so in Genesis 2, if we go back and read, and, and let's do that. Let's just remind ourselves why we're here and where we start. Genesis 2, let's look in Genesis 2, 18. 
And as we read this passage last week, we'll read it once again as a reminder. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every kind of bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all livestock and to birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last, at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Clearly a distinction between the two. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So from the very beginning of creation, we see two distinct beings, uh, a human, or we have human beings, but two distinct genders, male and female. I love this. I heard a pastor say this today on a podcast. What we normally call cultural wars are really Genesis wars. And so it's not just a cultural war, it's a Genesis war. It's, just, it's, it's denying what we see here in the very first book of the Bible. But we know as Christians, we are at our best when we embrace the created order in which God made us and the world. And that's the problem, is that when we don't want to embrace what God has created, but to leave God out of the equation altogether. So what is natural? If we're going to talk about what is natural, What is natural is God made man and woman to come together as one in marriage. Men and women have many things in common. Yes, we do. We have a lot of things not in common, right? Um, We have a lot of things that are in common, that we share together. Our main goal here in this life, chief end of man, is to glorify God and, and to enjoy him forever. That's not only the chief end of man, that's the chief end of woman. Together we glorify God and enjoy him together uh, and forever. And so that is a, a together mission that we have been called forth to do. But we are also different. We have our differences, and it's good that you join a man and a woman together. Let me put it in simple terms like this. When my wife is sick, we suffer at the house, all right? Because Curry does a lot of things. She's a very special lady. She's very gifted in many ways that I am not. One of those is compassion. And you say, I'm shocked, Brian, but I'm, I do. I lack in compassion many times. My wife does not. She's very compassionate. She's very patient. And yet when she's not feeling at her best, we suffer. And when I'm not at my best, in some ways, I guess we, we suffer in the home. I think we still get by better when I'm sick than when she's sick. But you get what I'm saying. Now, just expand that with men and women. It's sad that there's a thought, that there's a feminist movement, which has been going for a long time, where many women would say, we don't need men. Like, that's foolish. Why would we need men? Well, you need men so that we can continue to keep reproducing, right? I mean, that's what we see. And in the same way, it would be foolish for men to say, we don't need women. That doesn't take long, by the way. Um, Men will last about a day saying that. Um, But we need each other. And we see the beautiful picture of this in the local church. Like this ought to be the model for the world and how men and women come together in Christ Jesus and serve him. 
And so when women are not at their best as they have been created in the image of God, it hurts all of humanity. When men are not at their best as God has created them in his image, it hurts all of humanity. But when together we embrace this, although we have differences, we're better. But gay rights activists object to calling man and woman marriage natural. They will say that is not natural. How dare you would say that is natural because it implies that same-sex partnerships are unnatural because they are unnatural. If we follow the model of all same-sex marriages, there would be no future. We would die out within 40, 50 years. We're not here. And so we have to take the model how God has created it for us to procreate, how it's to continue, and how marriage is to be at its best and to be really clarified as a real marriage. I mean, I don't know where you stand on this. I hope we would stand together on this, but there were plenty who would say that they are married in the eyes of the state. But just because the state has affirmed that, as the state will affirm many things that are not godly, God does not come along outside and say, well, I guess I have to affirm it now because the state gave their approval. No, you're not married in the eyes of God if it's not man and woman who have come to make a covenant. And so we could toss words around like transphobic. Brian, this sounds like, you know, people would call you transphobic because you feel this way or because you're teaching these things tonight. Are we transphobic? No. We're just convicted heartbroken, saddened, but also we're filled with boldness and courage and love to go speak the truth. We do no one good who is struggling with these feelings and applauded by the world to come alongside them and say, I guess we'll support you too. That's the church showing hatred to the world when we cave to that pressure because we know that that doesn't lead to a good place. That's us not caring for somebody. But see, for those who are struggling with this, where God is not in the picture, or a God that they have created more palatable to to help support their life decisions, they would say that not only are you to accept this, but you're to show your full support. So understand this. It's not this, it's not, at at this point, it may be that, hey, okay, I'll accept that that's who you are. That's where we are right now, but the road we're going down And if you look far enough down there, it's not just that you would accept it, but you would show full support. Which, I mean, makes its way even to the local church and what we preach and what we teach. The Bible reveals that a same-sex union is unnatural. And this is where we must stand, even though there are plenty who would want to argue against it. So the question is, is God dead? And we would adamantly say, no, God is not dead. But there are many who teach that God is dead. One of them is Frederick Nietzsche. In his book, God is Dead, The Age of Enlightenment, he says, would put God to death. There's no longer a God that's needed here on this earth. We have technology. We are smart. We don't need him anymore. And you would think, well, that sounds crazy that people would read that book. There are thousands upon thousands and millions who read that book and believe it. And yet, from there, he passes on his influence to guys like Simon Freud and Wilhelm Reich, who were guys of the last century who had a huge impact on this teaching. Freud regarded religion as literally infantile. 
It is the result of the carrying over of childish hopes and fears into adulthood. It is therefore, strictly speaking, a sign of immaturity and a failure to develop into an adult. That's what Freud would say about what we stand here in the gospel. He would say, that's just childish hopes. It sounds like somebody who maybe at one time wanted to believe but didn't get his way in belief and yet tapped out and said, I don't like God because he didn't give me what I wanted. And yet what we've learned is that being a Christian doesn't mean that we get everything we want. But as we pray and we seek a holy God, yet he unites us to his will, and that is what's best for our lives. Reich was an Austrian, uh, Austrian doctor of medicine, and he led a sexual revolution in his day. And yet he believed that sociopolitical reform without sexual liberation is impossible, meaning that freedom and sexual health are the same thing. So anytime he would talk about freedom, he would also talk about sex and combine the two. Isn't it interesting that how people want to define themselves by their sex? It's the first thing they want you to know about them today. Freud identified happiness with sexual gratification, that the way to create a happy society, one untainted by selfishness and craving pursuits of power, was to allow for a maximum amount of sexual gratification. So just have at it. There are no limits. It's 150 years ago, this teaching. For Reich, the political question of freedom could therefore only be answered through sexual liberation, as Carl Truman points out. And so it's no wonder that both of these men promoted the idea that children should be able to engage in sexual activity. And so you say, what's next? What's next down the line? Well, transgenderism already impacts children. And so once we begin to confuse all these terms and there's this sexual revolution, what's happening behind the scenes and in the darkness will be brought to light and more normalized. And as we said last week, it can be much darker. But who are these men? Who are these people who spoke up and people go, man, I'm hearing this in the educational realm. And I just want to speak to this. If you, if you teach in the public schools, thank you. Because that's a tough arena. That's a very tough arena today. And yet there are those who would say, hey, we're completely against public school. And I get that. And I understand exactly where you're coming from. Because when you look at Marxism, one of his major points was that the government would take over education. And in one sense, government has taken over education in elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. And that puts a lot of people in hard situations because maybe some are, are, are strapped financially and saying, we can't go to a private school. We can't go to this school. And that's why I tell anybody I sit down with and counsel with on this, everybody's different. You need to seek the Lord in this and where you need to send your child. But for those of you who are teaching and who are going into schools and you're being a witness, thank you. To God be the glory for that. So don't hear what I'm saying here is to bash you or all public schools but the government has a grip on public schools. And because the government has a grip on public schools, this kind of teaching is becoming a lot more normal and it's finding its way into the classroom. 
But not only that, we as parents allow it to get into our homes far before we ever allow it to get into the schools. Can we be honest on that? And the things we let our kids watch and support. And I can tell you, I know it's convenient that we let our kids watch certain things. And it's nice that they enjoy these things, but you better be watching. Because comments like this, well, they only just had one quick scene. It was only one quick scene in one quick Disney movie where a character made a comment and just kept passing. You do know that that's a seed. And there's more to come. The seed was planted in comedies 30 years ago. And now there's not a television show that you can watch that doesn't forcefully put all these stereotypes within them. In fact, you know it. Whatever new series, okay, I'm just going to rant for a second. Whatever new series that you watch, you know by episode five what you're going to see. You know what you're going to see. Because the seed was planted 20 years ago. 20 years from now, what's going to be normal and what maybe... uh, our grandchildren are going to be watching. Our children are going to be watching. And we're going to say, oh, but that's, that's understandable. So who are these men who are highly regarded on college campuses? Well, Reich, years later, became interested in UFOs, which a lot of Christians are interested in UFOs. I think you're crazy. Um, but later, he became interested in UFOs, developed a medicine for concentrating uh, sexual energy, and was eventually imprisoned in Pennsylvania for fraud. He died there, still in prison, in 1957, paranoid and widely dismissed as crazy. But yet, you don't often hear that. And so, what's developed from this type of leadership from days past to today? The claim of gender theory is that biology is irrelevant. It's what we feel that matters. So to go go quickly here, uh, gender theory, according to the LGBTQ, says this, uh, these things would be considered discriminatory and hateful. Discriminatory and hateful. Ready? The belief that marriage is only between a man and a woman, that's discriminatory and hateful. The belief that sexual activity should be restricted to marriage, which a lot of Christians need to hear that. That's still sin when you have sex outside of marriage. Okay? Uh, For man and woman, too. The belief that children have a right to know and be brought up by their own father and mother. The belief that human beings are either male or female from birth. And if we keep going, and I know, I know we have these, and you, you may try to take notes on this. Just get your camera phone. All right. Uh, the false claims of, of gender theory is that binary is bad, that gender is a spectrum, which means that we have 72 different identities of gender, that boy, girl, man, woman are just social constructs, and that we all have a gender identity which may be different from our biological sex. So if you just dig down deep enough, it really depends on how you feel that day or that month or that year or where you want to go with it the rest of your life. 
What it really is, is that gender theory is an attack on the idea that we have a fixed sexual identity given to us by God. It is an attack on the belief that there is anything normal about the division of humanity into male and female, which has been accepted in every century besides this one. Since 2007, the UN and the EU and several national governments have committed to implementing these principles. By doing so, they have pledged pledged to embed gender theory into law and education. So that's what I'm saying. Look over to Europe, see what's happening, see what's coming this way. So how would some feel abused because they're stepping out and they're being so bold? Look, it's not bold when you have a liberal Hollywood and elites who applaud you for what you're doing that we've even made them our heroes is sad for the way they live their lives. And yet people are saying, hey, if we have enough people around us applauding us and affirming this, then we're good. But in some countries, professionals are not allowed to offer counseling to help the person embrace their true bodily identity. They are expected to provide any treatments that the person demands. So if you're in the counseling profession, it's something to keep an eye on in the next few years. It's just to accept this. Again, why would we accept this? Because a person says, this is what I think, so I am. So think about this. What if a kid says, Daddy, I'm an elephant. I'm an elephant, and I know I'm an elephant. And we go, son, you're not an elephant. He goes, no, I am an elephant, and you cannot tell me otherwise. We would look at him and we'd say, Brian please go get that child counseling, right? He says, I'm a light pole or I'm a Martian from outer space. Again, some people may believe that last one, but we would look at that child and say, there's something wrong with you. But have a boy say, daddy, I'm no longer a boy, I'm a girl. And there are plenty of people around who would say, don't you tell him otherwise. That's who he is because that's how he feels. Do you see how crazy that is? And so every other thing you put in the blank, we would say, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. But when it comes to sex, all of a sudden we go, but, but maybe there's something to this. Why is that? Because we have so heightened sex in our culture in many ways, in many ways, that we thought that it was just for our own satisfaction and enjoyment and fantasy, even in privacy, and we had no idea that all of this collects together to create one huge chaotic mess, and that's what's happening. And so you have non-gender or cisgender or non-binary It is unsurprising that the person who won the right to become the first legally non-binary person in the U.S. realized within three years that he had been deceived by gender theory and went back to living in his birth sex. And yet you're not going to hear that story. Because even those who would come along that, that man and support him would then try to silence him. Because it is okay if you want to change from your natural sex, but it's not okay to go back, right? That's a double standard. So gender theory ultimately is a lie. It's a denial of God. 
It's a denial of basic biology. It destroys the definition of men, women, mothers, fathers. It's a denial of history. And I would even go so far as to say that the majority, the majority, not all, but the majority of those who fall prey to this type of teaching do not have a father and a mother in the home, and sometimes due to natural causes or whatever may happen, that's not possible. But yet they do not have the leadership that they need to see in the home. But yet, there are cases even when you do have a godly mother and a godly father in the home, this still takes place. And so we don't need to hear this tonight and go, oh, that would never be my child. Don't go there. Understand it could be your child. And we need to hear this and be aware of these things and all the influences around them that we may catch some things early on before it gets to a point where it's too late. In 2004, the Gender Recognition Act in the UK stated that when a person has lived for two years as someone of the opposite sex, they can apply for a gender recognition certificate. They do not need to have undergone reassignment surgery or taken any cross-sex hormones But if they are given the gender recognition certificate, they can also be issued with a new birth certificate. Rewriting a birth certificate is state-sanctioned lying. In any other context, to go back and rewrite historical documents is rightly considered fraud. I mean, you just have a kid play on a, a Little League baseball team with the wrong birth certificate and see how angry mamas get, right? I mean, that birth certificate matters. States the time in which you were born and which gender you are. But yet now, and this again back in 2004, just for two years you identify as something different, you can receive a certificate that says you are who you say you are. And so, with this, is there any real such thing as gender fluidity? Because you're going to hear that term. Just by show of hands, have you heard the, the term gender fluidity? Okay. All right. We're going to hear that. Which means that you can go back and forth between genders. Truly, this means that one day you could walk in to school or one day you could walk into work and say, I am Bob. And the next day you walk in and you go, I am Pam. And the next day you walk in and whatever other name and you say, I'm not Bob or Pam. I'm, I'm non-binary. That's gender fluidity. Whatever you feel is going on inside you, you are the one who makes the determination. The truth is that even those who go through the process of having surgery, which is heartbreaking, surgery cannot truly change you to a different gender. It may change some outer appearance, but the XY and XX chromosomal pattern is a set at conception. So these chromosomes are found in nearly every cell of the body. And a DNA test will always reveal who you truly are. So isn't that interesting? When you look deep down within the person, you will find out who they really are. Nothing can change our fundamental genetic makeup. But what about those who are intersex, who are born 
with what I could in, in just understand confused parts. Those who like to be mentioned at every debate. What's been found is that the majority of people who are genuinely intersex do not want to be publicized. They don't want to get up on stage. They don't want to be a spokesperson. They don't want to be part of the transgender movement because it's a very difficult thing for them to deal with. So we need to be praying for those who have this struggle. And you say, why would that happen to them? Because we live in a fallen world. There are many effects of the fall. And so let me just give you a couple of stories within closing. In February of 2018, parents in Ohio were denied custody of their 17-year-old daughter when they refused to support her desire to live as a boy and her request for cross-sex hormone treatment. There's a book that's out there for children called The Gender Fairy. That's the cover. We don't promote this when you ask how can we disciple our children, by the way. But this is the book. In there, you would hear that only you know whether you are a boy or a girl. No one can tell you. Only you. And then at Wellesley College, it's a girls' school, introduced a new admission policy. Hear how crazy this is. They will admit biological men who claim to be women, but they will not admit biological women who claim to be men. That's how twisted and confusing this all gets. The world will cave in on itself. The world will trip all over itself when they deny God and try to act like this is normal and good. This does not lead to prosperity. This does not lead to healthy lives. This does not lead to light. It leads to darkness, any denial of God. What we see here before us is that gender is all in the mind and we can define ourselves. Now, I appreciate what Sharon James says here. Um, the book Gender Ideology, which I mentioned, short novel. Scripture does not, cannot, and will not allow the false split between sex and so-called gender. The demand for a genderless body is to unravel the creation design and go back to chaos. The theory that binary is bad and that we construct our own gendered identity is an attack on humanities having been made in the image of God, male and female. Attacking humankind made in the image of God is an attack on God himself and is an assault on the authority of his word. Sharon James. And so in closing, I want to say a couple of things. One, as I mentioned last week, it's okay for us to address these matters topically, um, but there is a reason why we uh, exegetically go through the scriptures so we'll know the God of the Bible. Okay, that means we're going to have to plow through some very difficult passages at times, and then there's other times when we're going to go through some passages and go, this seems pretty repetitive. What's going on here? And we need to catch on to that of what we're seeing in the scriptures. But plow through the Bible, study through the whole Word of God, and keep an eye on what's going on around us. And may we not be surprised by the chaos that's taking place. Um, 
with this, I would say that there are some of you here uh, and many in our local church who deal with this very closely. And if we could ever just come alongside you and pray with you and encourage you, um, if you have family or friends um, that are dealing with this, um, we care um, to just walk alongside you because we, we know it's difficult. We know it's a challenge. Um, we, we understand. Um, we've seen this. I mean, there's, there's been plenty of friends that we have made through the years uh, in this area, and yet we have seen this recently with a family that we know. And it's heartbreaking because we remember seeing this little girl when she was about this height, and she's absolutely beautiful. She doesn't want to be a girl anymore. She, she wants to be a boy. And, and that's hard. That's really hard. And, and so I don't stand up here tonight um, just to take jabs and say, let's distance ourselves from what's going on in the world here. No, let's prepare ourselves and then go out into the world because people need to hear the gospel. And if you were to see a transgender person, which you'll, you'll see transgender people um, all around, and, and we'll see them more and more, I'm sure of that. The question I have is, will you be quick to scoff and turn away? Or would you get to know them and share the gospel with them so that they could truly be healed? Let's be a church that understands the world in which we live in and not say no for anybody, but trust that the Word of God can change any heart in life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's why we wanted to look at it tonight. We want to be prepared. We want to know. Maybe I've, I've stirred some things up for you and some thought, and you want to have some more conversation. You say, hey, do you? the best thing truly, guys, would be for me to just recommend some, some books I can put in your hand, and we can have that conversation. I've already mentioned one tonight. Um, but I would say, too, you're smart. I mean, I've had conversations with plenty of you, and you are smart, and you're hungry. Take some time to dig in, do some research. Maybe we can do this together, but be informed of the things that are going on, and stay attentive. Look, this isn't just a, a one-party issue. Um, it's it's pretty heavily slanted, if if I'm giving my opinion on that, but that's not the route either, okay? It's to be in Christ first and take the gospel to the world. So let's know who we're trying to reach so that when we have conversations, they can be genuine and true and kind and yet patient in hopes to see a true life transformed in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Um, Lord, it's quite complex once we begin to talk about this. There's so many other things. We'd love to continue on discussions. Father, may just by your grace, you would allow us to have some more conversations one-on-one -on -one or in small groups, just people who are curious and want to know. And Lord, I'd, I'd love for that to happen, where we can just be iron sharpening iron, one man sharpening another, where we can be equipped to, to know those whom we need to minister to, Father, you've given us these minds, and they're capable of retaining so much information. So help us where we're weak, uh, Father, when it comes to our own personal study. God, maybe it's, it's not a, a lack of 
of knowledge that's the issue. It's more a lack of effort. Uh, Lord, help us to overcome that. I pray that we would be empowered and that we would have hearts that that care for the people whom you placed us around and that we would be informed, but that we would also be bold. It's not enough, Lord, that we would just be knowledgeable, but that we would be knowledgeable and that with that, by your grace, we would go and, and be able to interject that into a conversation and the person that we're ministering to, that that would mean something to them, that we would take the time to try to figure out where they're coming from. But Lord, by your grace, you would open their hearts and minds to, to see and to, and, and to receive the good news. Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters of the faith who have siblings, who have parents, who have children, who have grandchildren, or who have cousins, aunts, uncles that are struggling in these areas. God, give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them the words Give them favor with their family members and friends. That they'll have room to minister there, and it will be received, and that we'll hear of life change. And Father, I pray for anyone at Perimeter Road here who's struggling in these areas, and maybe they're staying silent about it. They're, they're afraid, maybe they're deathly afraid, to, to make mention that they're struggling. Father, I pray that you would provide the way for us to be able to minister to them or for them to have boldness to just reach out and say, will you help me? This is my struggle. Lord, thank you that we have your word. It does not change. It does not shift. It does not fade away. May we cling to it, Lord. May we preach it. May we teach it. May we proclaim it. May we live by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.